0: on this edition of the Iowa Business Report.
1: And I hope that when we're done with the session, others are asking us, how did we do it? You do the recovery legislation, get our economy going.
0: Coming off of a legislative session like no other in 2020, the key issues facing the Iowa General Assembly in 2021 look very similar. An update on the legality of requiring employees to get a COVID vaccination. And you'll learn about an Iowa business that keeps its clients well covered across North America. This is the Iowa Business Report for the third weekend of December 2020.
2: The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry has been the voice of Iowa business since 1903. Learn more online at IowaABI.org. Here is Jeff Stein.
0: In less than a month, the Iowa General Assembly will gavel into session under the Golden Dome of the Capitol in Des Moines. Republicans hold sizable majorities in both the House and the Senate. But there are a number of issues that may receive bipartisan support tied to growing Iowa's workforce and economy. J.D. Davis is Vice President for Public Policy. Brad Hartkopf is Director of Public Policy, both with the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Their offices are just a few blocks from the Capitol building. We connected via Zoom on Tuesday, December 15, to discuss some of the key priorities for the upcoming session.
1: And looking at what is important today and what was important pre-COVID, What we learned was the same issues are important. Uh, It has just magnified the public policy needs. Uh, and I'm thinking specifically of a couple of things as it goes to workforce. One of them is uh, child care and the need for child care. Before COVID, we needed child care because we were working at virtual full employment and needed to figure out how to get more people into the workforce. Child care is still important now, as every parent in Iowa knows with kids at school age needing to be able to be available for teaching children and doing other things or having a way to have their children taken care of while they try to return to the workforce or stay in the workforce has been very important. Equally, uh, workforce housing is another issue that we'll be pursuing in the 2021 session that was important prior to that. Getting people to be able to live near where they work is still a priority and getting uh, well-trained workers available for employers Still an important issue post-COVID uh, or in the end days of COVID as it was prior to COVID.
0: And I recall, J.D., you mentioning that a year ago when we spoke in your offices. How are you going to tackle the problem now that might be different based upon the experience that we've had over the pandemic?
1: Well, we certainly have a lot more experience with nontraditional child care need during the, uh, the pandemic. Some of it's going to have to focus on education policy and getting people back to school as much as it's going to have to do with providing best practices to employers and employees of some of the success stories that have occurred as folks have dealt with childcare as an issue through COVID. So we see ourselves as a clearinghouse on best practices. We see ourselves as trying to bridge some of the issues of getting people back to work by getting people back to school as well.
0: And Brad, JD's comment there suggests... Quite accurately, that so many of these things are intertwined. You can't talk about workforce without talking about child care. You can't talk about child care without talking about education. That makes this even more complicated, shall we say, or complex, maybe a better phrase, than some might think from the outside.
3: I would certainly agree with that, Jeff. And JD laid it out very well. And- one other issue to tack on that is the issue of broadband, and that's something that both parties, the governor, uh, all the leaders in the legislature, are, uh, they want to continue to expand that to deploy it in, in rural regions as well as urban regions, as J.D. talked about with child care and education and kids learning online and through hybrid models. I've heard stories of my colleagues and friends up in the Ankeny area, they've had children and they haven't been able to have a robust broadband access just because so many people are on the the infrastructure that typically aren't. And so it's really not just a rural issue. My eyes have been open to it, and I think others as well, that it's an urban one too. And I think that's where you're going to see a lot of focus of the legislature. And I think you see that in the House, in particular, they've established an information technology committee. And so the speaker really putting a lot of emphasis on that this year coming up.
0: And of course, the speaker from a rural area in Butler County, and as someone who lives in the rural area, broadband has been an issue that we've just dealt with. And so it's, it's interesting for you to note quite accurately, this now is encompassing everyone. I never would have thought a large city by Iowa standards, large city like Ankeny that just added another high school in the past few years growing, would have a broadband issue.
3: Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it when I heard it from my, my friend, and uh, you know, she has three children, and it's um, something to behold, and so uh, that's going to be a focus of ABI. That's a priority of ours under infrastructure, and uh, we're going to put a shoulder into it to ensure that something positive gets accomplished next year.
0: J.D., when we talk about business and industry and workers all working together to be successful, typically we think of economic issues, but it obviously transcends that into some of these, I'll call them quality of life or Home life issues, as mentioned, but there are some economic issues, and revenue for the state treasury is always an issue. Do you have enough money to fund the programs? Revenue comes in a variety of forms. There's been some talk, and the governor's kind of stoking the fire on this again, about changing some revenue models with regard to taxation. Does the association have any preference or thoughts on the issue of taxation and how that plays out with regard to the input you've gotten from members?
1: Well, I tell you what, we have heard from members. This is something that's unwavering from them. Uh, they want to continue to see an emphasis on tax reform. When they say reform, they mean preserving, promoting, and improving competitiveness of Iowa manufacturers, Iowa workers, uh, Iowa business owners. So we encourage the conversation. We were very happy to hear all of the comments over the last week, not just from the governor, but from legislative leaders. Iowa has to step back and pat itself on its back. We have healthy ending balances. We have full reserve funds. We have managed the influx of federal money to help aid with managing the coronavirus in a very good way. We're very, very pleased on behalf of manufacturers and all employers to note the governor's wise, wise decision to put some of the federal money for Iowa into the unemployment trust fund, almost a half a billion dollars. Uh, tells you just what kind of an impact employers have had with benefits going out to those that are unfortunately unemployed. But it also preserves Iowa's competitive position to have this money in the trust fund so that employers will not be looking at unemployment tax increases that would have happened automatically in 2021 had the governor not taken that action. We think it's very appropriate to be reviewing that as well to make sure that Iowa remains in a competitive position that workers are taking care of, but that the system works well. And so we're going to be encouraging policymakers to open up a, a code chapter that's rarely visited it, but has been highlighted by the pandemic as something that we need to make sure we're pleased with the way it's operating. We have some ideas and we'll bring those in 2021.
0: Final question I'll ask you first, Brad, and then ask JD to weigh in. If we have a conversation in six months let's assume after the 2021 legislative session, key thing or things that might be connected you'd like to see as an accomplishment of the General Assembly, identify that.
3: Well, I think, you know, from ABI's perspective, I think some of the ideas that JD commented on regarding unemployment tax reform, those are something uh, that we're going to be bringing forward to ABI. If we could make some good progress there, I think that's something that we could be proud of. I think our priorities, workforce, infrastructure, regulatory reform, Anytime we're able to get that done, more dollars to Future Ready Iowa, the Employer Innovation Fund, the Last Dollar Scholarship Program, broadband deployment, and uh, eliminating any red tape for our members that we can. I think those are obviously great accomplishments, and we'd be proud to talk about those throughout the year.
0: J.D., what else is on the list?
1: Brad did a good job on the specifics. I'll just give a general observation, and that is going into the pandemic, Iowa was in a position where our Economic Development Authority was getting questions from other states, other jurisdictions, how is Iowa doing it? You know, We had low unemployment, we were building businesses, we were attracting businesses, and now we've gone through the pandemic. And I would say the midstream grade is for Iowa is that we're doing this better than our peers. And I hope we're getting questions on how are we doing it with our strong financial position and really compressing the recovery. I know that'll be a focus of this legislative session for the next few months, not maybe all six months, but the next four, four and a half. And I hope that when we're done with the session, others are asking us, how did we do it? You do the recovery legislation, get our economy going, sustain our low unemployment that we have now already, and just dig out like we got ourselves in a good position before we got in.
0: J.D. Davis is Vice President for Public Policy. Brad Hartkopf is Director of Public Policy, both with the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. We connected via Zoom on Tuesday, December 15. There's much more to the conversation. You can hear it all by listening to the IBR Extra podcast by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on radio programs. Still to come, more COVID legalities and a business with a unique product that protects a variety of structures across this country and beyond. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report.
2: The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Two weeks ago on
0: this program, we spoke with employment attorney Bridget Pennick of Des Moines about legal issues related to COVID-19 as they pertain to businesses, employees, and customers. This past Wednesday, contemporaneous with the rollout of COVID-19 vaccines across the country, the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission issued guidelines about those vaccinations, and Bridget was kind enough to forward that information to us. As she earlier predicted, this week's guidance is that an employer may require an employee to get the vaccination because of the nature of the pandemic for safety reasons or because of the specific job. However, an employee may object for valid reasons, for example, a disability, or a sincerely held religious practice or belief. In those situations, employers are to provide reasonable accommodations if possible. Again, vaccination may be required due to the nature of the public health crisis in the name of overall public safety, but subject to defined exceptions. Now, none of what I've just told you is legal advice. Every situation is fact-specific, so those with interest in the topic should consult their own attorneys and HR professionals. You can learn more by going to the agency's website, eeoc.gov. Coronavirus resources are there on the main page, and you can also sign up there for email updates. Coming up, We'll tell you about a company whose products are being used for even more purposes than ever before. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report.
2: The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, helping develop the next generation of business leaders through Leadership Iowa, Business Horizons, and Leadership Iowa University. To learn more, go to iowaabi.org.
0: In this week's business profile, we'll introduce you to Coridan McKinley, president of the Inland Company, including their Inland Coatings division. They've expanded over the course of four decades, not only geographically, but in terms of uses for their product as
4: well. Inland Coatings is a commercial roofing manufacturer of products. So Inland Coating started in 1978. They're based in rural Iowa, so close to Adel. And for the better of the last 40 years, we've been manufacturing products and selling throughout the country. So we sell product in all of the 48 states, the lower 48 states, and in Canada as well. The last few years, Inland was positioned to acquire another roofing material manufacturer called Truco. Truco is based out of Cleveland, Ohio. And so we, we have a manufacturing plant there. Last year, Inland acquired another company in the same industry, same segment, based out of North Carolina. So Inland's got nice geographical reach. And again, uh, a good Canadian presence with the products that we manufacture.
0: And you're running it right out of your plant in Iowa, which I find to be tremendous. I imagine sometimes that leads people who don't know any better to look and say Ohio and these other locations, and then they see your mailing address is Iowa. That's got to be a pretty good hook sometimes for business and for attracting talent that you're looking for.
4: No, I think you have two good points there. And as you drive by and see the facility, folks are always surprised to learn that we have such a large footprint that out of this location we service the U.S. and Canada market and then we have uh, manufacturing plants on the east coast as well. So when people learn that they're quite surprised and at the same time you bring up a good point on attracting talent as folks learn about the size of business we are, uh, what our growth plans have been and how we've been able to grow. People are surprised and and willing to become a partner in the business and, and go from there.
0: So let's talk about that jumping off point, because there you are near Adel and you have a good business going. How did you then make the transition to where you're having these plants all around the country? Obviously, from a distribution standpoint, it's economical for transportation purposes to have multiple locations for plants, but you've got to get from here to there. How did you make the leap?
4: Good question. And uh, you know, like I said, Inland had started in 1978. And up until five, six years ago, the founder had passed away. Kind of the partner in the business was looking to see how else we could grow and keep the business going without the founder. And that's when Midwest Growth Partners or MGP based out of West Des Moines was introduced to Inland. So today MGP is the ownership group And with that ownership group, it's given us the ability to expand our footprint and retain talent and grow.
0: We find often that the founder generation has tremendous drive and tremendous foresight, but it takes a second or a third generation, if you will, to take the company in different directions because, again, the founder is focused on the initial plan. What is it that's distinctive for those who are not aware about for example, a run-of-the-mill commercial building as opposed to an agricultural building as opposed to my house?
4: Yeah. So there's reason why we are in that segment from a commercial building side is the makeup of the buildings are typically flat roofs. And so our product is used in that setting more so than you would see on a pitched roof or more of a traditional style, like a residential house. So the products we manufacture go down on the flat roof, And products we use could be a repair product or a completely new roof type system. So it gives you some of that opportunity there. But that's really the segment we go after. As far as agriculture in Iowa, especially, there's a lot of metal roofs like machine sheds. And our products do really well in that environment. And we do have some agriculture presence as well.
0: What's distinctive about your products as opposed to others? When I go to the website at inlandcoatings.com, I know nothing about your business, but I see photos of black barrels, which I'm used to when I might go by a roofing site or a construction site. What's different about what's inside those barrels and, and cans as opposed to some of your competitors?
4: I think you brought up a good point a minute ago where the founders are traditionally focused on that core business. And for 40 years, We developed and focused and and did a lot of R&D on our product, and we still do today. But now it's, how do we get that great product in people's hands? So what's unique about our product is it's a rubber-based liquid coating. So out of the bucket, it's a, a rubber product. You can brush it on with a paintbrush. When it dries, all that's left is rubber. So that's very unique. There's not a lot of players in the industry that manufacture that type of product, It has some unique manufacturing tied to it. So it's not easy replicated in the industry. What we see a lot of today would be like a silicone product. And a lot of folks are familiar with silicone. If you, even around your house, if you're using on a backsplash in the kitchen or around windows, traditionally that's silicone. But our product, again, is rubber-based, but similar application.
0: And as I go through the website, I see things like, metal buildings, as you discussed earlier. But the materials that you've developed, you're using them in a variety of other ways. And I see headings on the web page of recreational vehicles, pipeline operations. This is a very different type of application than what I presume the core business was 40 years ago.
4: Absolutely. So our core commercial buildings, we've been able to go after some sub-markets, so to speak, or some different sales channels. Today, we do provide one of the largest recreational vehicle manufacturers with products. So that's very unique. We've got a, a strong presence in Oklahoma and Texas from pipeline applications. The rubber product performs well in a variety of conditions. So whether it's being underground on pipeline Or it's being exposed to road salt and gravel. It holds up well. And so that's where you see some different application uses with the product.
0: What are some of the challenges that your business faces, either within the industry for market share or these days businesses are dealing with things that we wouldn't have discussed a year ago prior to the pandemic? So what are some of the challenges as 2021 nears that Inland is facing?
4: The challenge I'd say, and it's not necessarily a bad challenge, but is the market is conditioned for silicone type applications. Again, that product that you can buy at Lowe's or Menards, that's what I'd say the general population or a contractor is used to applying. And so the challenge we have is. Again, just making our contractors aware of the product, why is it unique, how it can be leveraged and utilized in various settings. And that's what we continue to, to face day in and day out is the awareness behind why a rubber-based product has better performance and is superior over more traditional coatings.
0: So five years from now, what are we going to be talking about with regard to your company?
4: That Inland Coatings went from a rural single plant to a company that has plants on the East Coast, has strong presence on the West Coast, and has great geographical reach wherever you are in the country.
0: Coridan McGinley, president of the Inland Company of Adel, including their Inland Coatings division. We spoke via Zoom on Tuesday, December 15. Learn more online at InlandCoatings.com. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. Next week, we'll gauge optimism of Iowa's businesses as the New Year 2021 approaches. That's next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. You'll also find podcasts of full interviews with many of the folks you hear on this program. They're listed as IBR Extras and IBR Business Profiles. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, including iHeart, Apple, and Google. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week.
2: The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Follow ABI on Twitter at IowaABI and online at IowaABI.org.